things go through in life of stuff, if our mind is always on the mission, it keeps us going somewhere. You've got to always have your mind on the work of the Lord. You've got to have your mind on the things of God. Yes, there will be sad times. There will be despair. There will be things that you must mourn and, and go through, and you deal with that. But some people stay there for way too long. At some point, you've got to realize the dead have got to bury their dead, and I've got to move on. There is a purpose that God has got. And until the day we take our last breath, he has a purpose for us. He has got desire. Each one of you have got something different that you can do for the Lord. Everybody in this room has got, I teach in that class, but everyone's got a different purpose. Whether that's in this building, outside the building, somewhere you have something to do for the Lord that God loves and is looking for you to do that. So uh, I want to continue on a series we've talked about. The pastor's been on this, uh, about our mission. I don't remember the title uh, our mission. Today I'm going to talk about evangelism in the 21st century. I asked him, do you want me to continue on what you're doing? He said, yeah. He said, talk about what can we do today. And, and I, I come to you as probably uh, definitely not a foremost authority on evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. I love to reach people. Uh, I wish I had the greatest skills at it. I don't, but I have a desire. There's a few things I've learned, and I just pray God help me always to do that. But I want to review a little bit. Pastor talked a few weeks ago about a burden, having a holy burden. It is so important just to say, mention that again because this burden has got to be part of us. We've got to have a burden. I have prayed. Uh, years ago I prayed. Uh, I was so shy at trying to reach people. And this is what we're talking about is trying to reach people because we need to reach the lost. And um when I was younger, I was just so so terribly shy about trying to talk to people about God. Uh, I didn't know a lot, so I came to try to learn so I could understand the Bible. That was one thing I set out for. But I didn't know how to really talk to people too well. And uh, unless you came up to me and said, how do I be saved? And I would be, okay, I could do that. But to go to a total stranger and say something or invite him to church was even hard for me. And I used to pray. For a few years, God, give me, give me boldness. Because in the Bible, they prayed for boldness. I said, surely that's got to work. If I pray for boldness, God's going to do it. And, uh, and I, there was a few things that happened here and there. And I, and I prayed. Um, but I still was still uh, had a hard time doing it. And one day, I don't know what it was, uh, I began to switch my prayer. And I started praying, God, give me a burden. And that seemed to be the change to me that started to work. Let me give an example. If your house is on fire and you have children and they're in that house and um, I come over there and you're like panicking and you're like, let's say you don't even know, your, you're just, you just show up at the fire at the same time I do. Don't even know your kids are in there and is there anyone there? I don't know. And so I may be more bold than you and I may say, I'm going to go in and see what I can find. And I may get close to that fire, and I've been close to a fire before, and I'll probably turn around no matter how bold I am because it's hot. But if you see your kids in that window screaming for help, and you're a mom or a dad, your burden will overtake my boldness and will go in there and even take your life to get your kids out. My boldness is set to go, but your burden will overtake that boldness because there's no way you're going to let those kids die without you at least having tried. Whereas me, I will just back up because it's too hot. Um, does that make sense? And so we have to have a burden, and a burden to reach the lost, to drive us, to realize that there are people that are, that are dying. And uh, I, I don't always think this way. Sometimes I do because it helps me pray for people. I have to think that they're lost. I don't remember if his name was Billy Sunday or was something along that lines. It was an evangelist years, years ago, probably last century or maybe before. And he was very effective at evangelizing and winning people to the Lord. And they asked him one day, how, are you, how do you preach so well? How, do you, how are you such a great orator that you get people to the altar? And they, I don't know if they got the Holy Ghost underneath him or not, if he believed that, but they would at least come in and repent. And... The evangelist looked out the window with tears in his eyes, began to cry, and he says, because they're going to hell. And that's what moved him to preach so great as he did, because though people outside his window were headed to hell, and it moved him to tears. 
and that moving him to tears moved him to be effective at an altar or at a, at a pulpit to preach to others. The Bible says, and this is not up on the board, but in Isaiah 66, 8, it says, For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. As soon as Zion travailed, as soon as she cried and wept, she brought forth her children. So a burden has got to be developed in your life and mine that we can reach people. How many of you ever felt a burden for loss before? When you've prayed and you felt a burden, and I hope so. Um, if not, I can't say I had it for a long time. I began to start, have a little bit here and there, but I've been praying. Year, last few years, I've been feeling more and more of a burden than I have in all my life. God seems to have worked at me on this. I have asked him, though. I said, God put a burden in my heart, more so than I've had before, and I believe the Lord has responded to that and has done that and has begun to put more of a burden. I've had a, I've had a dream before where I was crying for the loss. Uh, in a dream that I felt that weeping and stuff that I don't usually feel much in, in the normal life. I don't cry a lot, and I don't feel that type of a thing, but in a dream, I felt that for lost people, and I'm thankful that God would put that in my heart. There was some uh, few months ago, I was, um, I don't know what came over me. I was driving through a town, and I uh, had my, uh, my teeth worked on at a dentist, same dentist, I think has got cancer now, but I was there, and I felt just in there, after I got, you know, no one likes to be the dentist, and, uh, well, maybe Caitlin, but I, I don't want to be the dentist. Uh, there's something about having your mouth open, just sitting there on your back, and you're defenseless, and you're trusting that they know what they're doing with these pokey tools in your mouth, and they're not going to miss, and they're not going to hurt you, and then they spray water in there, and they put a straw in there, and I'm hoping they get it all out, and I'm hoping they don't choke me to death, and, and I have hands ready to grab their wrists if they do anything wrong, at any moment's notice, it's ready to go there. Uh, but so I was there in a dentist's office, and I, I don't know what it was. I prayed, or as I, as I left there, I just felt this burden for one of the ladies that was working on my teeth, and I don't know why, and I decided to start driving around. Um, usually I would go home and pray, but I just drove, and I began to drive through the town, and I just began to weep and cry. I began to realize that people are lost, and something overtook me. And I thank God for that because this doesn't happen to me like every day. Maybe some of you it does, but it just gripped over me. I began to cry. And I began to say, God, I says, please let these people not die, not under my watch, not while I'm alive. Let me do something about it. And the burden to such a degree, at least for me, that it began to hurt inside. And I began to tell God, Lord, this hurts. This hurts. These people are lost, and it actually hurts me. Um, this is a burden that I need to have. It's a burden that we need to pray. God, put it in my heart enough that it hurts me when I'm praying and feeling for the lost because it hurt him. It hurt him greatly. Um, I wish I was the best at having a burden and all these things. All I can tell you is where I'm at right now, and I want more of God to do that because it motivates me to do something more than just trying to get lots of boldness. Because I'm not a type AA personality. It takes a lot of courage for me to get up and talk to someone in the store. But if there's a burden in my heart, it moves me more. So in your prayer time, God, give me that burden like Pastor preached. If you, uh, my wife uh, does this, and I've got quite a few in my office, and this may help you get a burden. Is there's a lot of maps downstairs in my basement. A lot of maps of the city and the world and things to look at and say, God, is there a church here? And to pray. So. Just a thought. Well, I want to talk about evangelism the, the best that I can here. I'm not going to talk much about technology. This is a whole, a whole area that I do not know a lot of. It is a vital area. I don't have expertise in technology, but as far as reaching our world, there is a lot involved with this that is becoming more and more so, perhaps becoming one of the more important jobs in any church is having someone who can run technology, who knows how to put the services out, out and the media, who knows how to get whatever other things out there because most of our world lives not in the real world. They live on their phone. And so there's a lot to do with technology that I don't have the expertise to even understand how to explain a lot of it except to know, Lord, help me to know what I can do. Um, so there's a lot there. And some of you may be technologically savvy. If God gives you some idea how to reach people along social media, along Facebook, along whatever, uh, podcasts, whatever things can get out there, then so be it. Then God can use that and you can reach people. I believe that. 
So what I want to talk about today is one that I'm a little more familiar with is that it's what everyone's going to need no matter what, and that simply is human interaction. No matter what technology we get out there, at the end of the day, people need people. It, you can't get around it. It's just, we're going to reach people in the media. We will reach people there. It's going to happen. It could be a lot in the years to come. But when all that is done and said, people need to feel loved. They need to feel somebody in flesh to talk to. Somebody in flesh to be there to, to hug them or whatever it is. They've got to feel that. We can put flyers on windshields. We can do websites. We can do all those things. But it's human interaction. Years ago, I, I studied psychology, and I've mentioned this before, but it's always fascinated me that years ago they did a study with a, a baby monkey, and they had that monkey in a cage, and they kind of starved it, I think. And on one side of the cage they had a, a bottle of milk, you know, from a wire hanging there. And with a mechanical-looking monkey that was all wires and stuff. And the other end of the cage, they had a furry fake monkey. Well, that baby monkey went to the furry thing and stayed there and would not go to the other side to get the milk because it needed touch. It was hungry, but yet it wanted human or animal touch. And people are that way. They are hungry for something. They're hungry for some type of interaction with us, some type of a human interaction. They're going to look for it. And if we keep our eyes open, we'll find it. People are out there looking for us to help them. So let's get started here. I say started. We're already at uh, 652. Uh, I'm going to look in the book of Acts. And but first I want to start off on the last two, uh, two sayings of Scripture of Jesus' last words and look at those about reaching the world. So Matthew 28, let's get these out here, 19 and 20, the great commandment. Um, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore, the Bible says, Teach all nations. This is our mission, teach everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Of course, that means in the name of Jesus Christ, right? To baptize someone in the name, it is singular. By the way, I, I just, I tell you guys things just to pass a long time. I had, and it's, it's different, but I told my wife a few days ago, I had a dream. I was telling a woman that you, that she was talking about getting baptized, and I said, what does it say in Matthew 20, 19? And she said, well, I'm baptized, and I said, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. This isn't a dream. And I said, do you know that the name of all those is? She goes, no, it's Jesus. And then the look of, like, it makes sense to me came out, and that was the end of the dream. But that is what the baptism in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, it is the name of Jesus Christ. That is our baptism. That's what we're buried into. So he says, go out there and teach nations this. Teach them. And if you don't know much, study your scripture. God help me to know this. I think Pastor said it last week, and I did the same thing. I wrote in the back of a Bible I had because I didn't know how to explain things. I want to be able to say, here's where you have to repent of your sins. Here's what you must get baptized, and it's always in the name of Jesus. I wanted Scripture to explain, so I had to write my Bible in case someone came along, which people had. Okay, here we go, because I didn't have things memorized. So we baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and then verse 20 um, teaching them to observe all things, all things, whatsoever I've commanded you. And I like this. He says, lo, I'm with you even unto the end of the world. He's going to be with those who are outreaching people. God's going to be with us until the end of the world. You can't go somewhere that God's not going to be there with you when you're trying to reach someone for Jesus' sake. He's going to be there with you. So if you're going to go to the farthest areas of this world and say, Lord, I hope you show up here because I want to try to win these people. You've got a, a verse in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that says he'll be there with you. That's an awesome thing to know. If you're saying, I just don't know if the Lord's with me, well, go try to reach somebody and see if he doesn't show up. Go try to reach someone and say, God, I'm going to try to reach somebody. Will you help me? And I believe the Lord will show up to help you reach that person because he's there. He wants to do it more than you do. So the word go you, therefore, is, means to travel, to go. We've got to go. We've got to have a mission of mine. We've got to go and reach this whole world. And, of course, uh, teaching them, part of that refers to making disciples. It's referring to both teaching and discipling people. Um, you've, got to, you've got to hang with people. You've got to be with people. You can't just show them stuff and then leave them hang. You can't do that. We've done that for too long. We show them, we let them hang. We need to show them and then hang with them, not say let you hang, but now I'm going to hang with you and I'm going to teach you and I'm going to show you more and I'm going to be around you and all those things are necessary. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 20, and one other place, um, he said to them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That means to proclaim, herald the truth to all people groups. 
So it doesn't matter. I don't think any of you is like this here, but it doesn't matter what color skin they got or anything. It's all people groups, all nationalities, every type of person, no matter what they look like, smell like, everything, it's all people. We've got to reach everybody. And uh, uh, if we know the truth, we've got to do that. So he says, going in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 20 goes on about signs. He says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. God is working with them because they're going. So do I want the Lord with me? I need to go. If I stay by myself, I don't know how much God's going to hang with you and be with you because he has a mission to do. And when you go, God wants to go with you. He's going to go because you're, you've got that determination. Um, of course, if you read the end of Luke, it talks about preaching repentance to all nations. And John uh, talks, he's, there's not really the commission to reach the world in John. He did tell uh, Peter, he said, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. This is maybe more of a pastoral type thing, but feed people. We can take that to us. We should be feeding people. If we're learning something in God's word, we should be finding someone to feed them, to show them God's word. That's why pastor talked about reaching somebody, get somebody alongside you, pour God's word into them. Reach somebody. Reach somebody. And this is the one, one question that, that Jesus, you know, he asked Peter. He said, if you love me, he asked him first, do you love me? Do you love me? And if you do, then please do this. I'll, I'll leave this with you. I, I shared this with a pastor last week. Uh, I came in prayer a few days ago. He said, uh, a lot of times that we come to the Lord and we always have questions. And have you ever come to God with questions that keep you there for a long time? Talking about your questions to God. Lord, I don't understand. What's, and you're talking. And you spend your whole time your whole half hour, hour in prayer, talking to God about your questions. Yeah, the other day I felt this come from God to me, is that instead of us going to God with all our questions, we got to seek first to answer his question. His question is, do you love me? So if I can get God's question answered, then I feel like I should be able to go to God and bring my questions. Rather than me go to God, he doesn't know if I love him or not because I haven't even praised him or worshiped him. I've just been focusing on my question to get answered. That makes sense? Get God's question answered when you go to prayer. Get his question answered first. Then say, Lord, I've got some problems or dilemmas or questions. Could you help me with these? But let his question always get answered first because he came to Peter and said, Peter, three times. He said, do you love me? Then go do a work for me. Do you love me? Then go reach somebody. Do you love me? Then go do this. And, of course, we find Peter was talking there about to Jesus in, the, in his last days. And he was saying, well, what about John over here? He was concerned about other things going on. You know, and, and Jesus is like, get your mind on the mission here. Don't worry about your brother over here, how he's going to die and all this. Get your mind on the mission. Um, that's just neat stuff. Okay, so let's look at the, I've got seven examples here. We'll, we'll get through these here. Uh, seven or eight examples that I've got as far as I could in Acts. I said, that's as far as I need to go. Uh, pastor said, let, pastor said Looks, look in the book of Acts and find out what they did. And I'm going to try to do my best to explain what I think this means today and give you maybe an example or two from my life because I want to relate it. Uh, again, I tell you, I do not have great evangelistic stories of getting 500 people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and all this stuff. I wish I could, and I did. So I don't stand up here as an authority on that kind of stuff. But I'll give you a little bit. And the reason I feel kind of good about giving you a little bit is because if I could have a little bit and tell someone here who hasn't done much, then maybe they can think, I can do that little bit. Okay? Because if I tell you that, oh, yeah, I went out last week and got 500 people, got the Holy Ghost, and I preached to them, you're going to think, that's never going to happen with me. Right? You might be like, okay, I've shut myself already. He <laughs> is way, way far above. So I'm going to be more at your level because this is just where I'm at. Some of you are far beyond what I am. Um, but I'm here to reach the, the ones that are more like me. So if you're, if you're top-notch, excellent, and soul winning, I may not have a whole lot to tell you. If you're about like I was, hopefully I can give you some help today. Everyone say amen. Okay, let's move on here. Number one, Pentecost Day. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we know that we see the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. They all spoke in tongues. The crowd gathered around wondering what's going on. So that day a miracle happened that the Lord orchestrated. Peter preaches to them, and, of course, they received the gospel. That day about 3,000 were baptized and received it with gladness. So I put down 2021. What does that mean for us today? Well, we don't have Pentecost happening necessarily like that did. Not that it can't, but... That first day is not going to happen, but what did happen was a miracle happened. And I'm going to mention this as far as the church here, and probably going to move on from here. But in this place, in this building, 
We gather together on Sundays, and we do our best to worship God, and we should continue to worship God and bring his presence in here so that the miraculous can happen. I think we would all say, yes, we, we want to see God's miraculous happen. Can it happen out there? It can. We'll get to that later. But in here, I think there's no doubt about it. We've probably seen more people get baptized, get the Holy Ghost in a church service because it is a gathering of a whole body of people together. It doesn't have to be in this building. It just is. Because we're all gathered together and we're in one mind and one accord, God just seems to come in here very well. And it's very easy for someone to get the Holy Ghost, to hear the word of God preached, for the anointing to fall. So our, our simple thing here is to continue doing what we're doing on there, create that atmosphere that is so powerful that God is going to touch people. We're going to have a service at um, Shanklin Park on Monday, or Sunday, for Memorial Day service. Pastor, we're going to have a song. Pastor's going to speak a little bit. But even that day, invite people to come. We don't know. As we're singing, it may only be a song or two, but I believe we can worship God and bring the presence of God in that room. It won't be this building. It'll be out there. But we can bring God's presence in there enough that all those 20, 30 people we may have invited to come there can feel something. And that's an easy invite to give to somebody is, hey, we're going to have a thing at the park. Real easy there. Very, very, very easy. That's probably one of the best things to invite people to because it's not like church and it's going to be a little bit of service, but it's not much. And hopefully they're okay to that. I think great things can happen. So people are going to receive the Holy Ghost there even on Sunday. You believe that? You think that can happen? I'm asking you guys. You think someone gets the Holy Ghost on Sunday? I think so. I believe so. So let's believe that. I know we're thinking we're going to go there and we're going to have fun and play volleyball or basketball or whatever or chess. Or I told Pastor, are you getting older? I mean, we're playing chess games now. We used to all talk about football. Now we're talking about chess. I go, I know I'm your same age. I don't want to go there yet. <laughs> I want to go there. We're going to play football. We're going to play basketball. Chess is for the older crowd. But I guess that's us. So we're playing chess. So, but I don't want to go there with the thought of us just playing games and eating food. For that, for that half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever short time that we're going to worship God there, I want to really seek that God is going to do something there that Sunday. For those of you who are here, I don't know who will be, but I want to believe God can fill people with the Holy Ghost right then and there. And that's an awesome thing. So let's believe God for that if you're going to be there especially. Um, it's worth knowing that after the church started, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking the bread and prayers. They were continuously doing things for the Lord. They were, they were meeting together, and they were doing all the things that a church should be doing. And I think God just stayed in the midst of them and began to bring in more people from all that. So my first thing in the book of Acts was simply we got to have great church. We need to have, even on a Wednesday night, we got to still come with the expectation that God can do something. Every time we meet together, the fact is we are meeting together. It don't matter if it's here or somewhere else. It's that people are meeting together. God can work. Someone say amen. Okay, I got to go to the second one. Acts chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 1. And I want to give an understanding of this. So in Acts chapter 3, now we move forward in, in the book of Acts. Peter and John's going up to the temple of hour to prayer. Prayer is important. If you're going to reach people, you've got to be a praying person. So he goes up to pray. And just keep going. I'm going to read through all, all of verse 10. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that came in to the temple. This guy's asking for money. He sees Peter and John about to go in the temple, ask for money. Peter fastened his eyes upon him. Now this is, I want to just say here, you've got to keep your eyes open for people. You've got to look for people. You can't just, I do it all the time. I walk the store, my eyes are kind of just to myself. I know what I've got to do. I know what I've got to get, and I just kind of go in my mode. But we've got to sometimes get our eyes up to look around and say, hold on, there's people. If you were a shepherd and you had sheep, you think once in a while you would look up to make sure there's no predators coming, right? You'd be up looking. We've got to be up looking for lost sheep, up looking once in a while saying, is there anyone lost here that I could reach? Is there somebody that looks like they have a need? So Peter fasts his eyes on him, and with John, he says, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Probably a good thing he got his expectation up, though it wasn't for money. He got the guy up thinking, I'm going to get something. And then Peter then goes on and he says, silver and gold have I none. But before the guy got a letdown of like, oh, what? He says, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. A healing took place here. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Verse 8, 9, and 10, he leaping up stood, walked, entered in with him the temple, walking, leaping, praising God. 
that's awesome in self, but also, and the people saw him walking and praising God. And verse 10, and they knew it was he which sat for alms at the gate beautiful of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Now, Peter begins to now talk to them because it got their attention. I'm talking about miraculous things here on this, and you may say, well, I don't know if I can do that. You can because God filled you with the Holy Ghost. You're supposed to be able to pray for people, and miracles are to happen to all of us. We should be looking for that to happen. So in 2021, uh, if we're looking for chances, they're going to happen. God's going to bring them to us. If we're prayed up, anything can happen, especially if we stay prayed up, anything can happen. We look for opportunities, look for great ways to open up to God with people about conversations you may have with them. Um, you never know what it could be. I, uh, sometimes you may find someone, you pray for them, and they're healed, and it's going to cause great things. Can it happen? Yes, you can pray. I've not seen a lot of people that I've necessarily laid hands on and are all receiving healing. I've seen a few times that, uh, you know, at least I remember one guy once came to church because we prayed. I prayed for him at work. He had a toothache. I asked, I, he said, well, let's pray for your toothache. I'll be honest with you. I did not have faith he was going to be healed. I just thought, well, let's pray for your tooth. I said, Lord, touch his tooth right now to heal. He had a massive toothache. He was in pain. He came back to me a few minutes later, walking on the roof scaffold because he was shingling roofs, and he came back, and he came with a joyful smile on his face, and he said, Jamie, I said, what? And he goes, it's gone. God healed it. I'm like, he did? You know, I didn't say that. I was just like, well, of course, you know. But I, 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 inside, I was like, there's no way. He's healed? God, you healed him? He was. It moved him enough. He came to church that Sunday, and he got baptized with his wife. He was moved by a miracle that God did in his life, a healing. It was really his faith more than mine, but I think someone's got to have faith, and it can happen. So if they've got faith, definitely great things can happen. So a praying for someone to have there. If you see people in need, pray for them. Pray for them. We met a couple this week somewhere. I think her name was Christian and Taylor, and they were, were talking to us, and uh, we prayed for them as something they had a need. And then the, the man looked at his wife and said, do you really want to try to encourage her? We need to pray for this. And she had some type of problems with her having children and all this kind of personal stuff. And so she began to go in there with that, and they said, well, we're going to pray for that. And I can't say she's healed. I don't know. I said, you let me know if they're healed because I want to know. But I said, we're going to pray. And I, I've learned not to pray for healing necessarily. I just pray we're going to speak to the sickness and the illness in your body. We've got to get, and I want you to hear me, we've got to get as a church, we've got to get more bold and start to speak to things. And you may say, but what if it doesn't happen? I'll be embarrassed. Forget about the embarrassment. Go ahead because you're never going to see things happen unless you take a risk somewhere. You've got to say, God, I'm going to pray for them right now. And we're going to pray that this is gone. We're going to speak to it. And we're going to speak in Jesus' name, this is gone out of your body. Speak that way with boldness. And so we prayed for her and prayed that way. So I want you to put your hands wherever on her body. And I'm going to lay my hands on her head. And we're going to pray. If you're not used to praying for people, start at the altar. Start in the church in altar calls. Pray for people at the altar. In fact, the best way to pray for people in an altar is to get directly in front of them. Make sure you chew gum or have mint, but get in front of them. Ask them what their need is, but boldly stand in front of them and pray for them and lay hands on them because you've got to get bold. You've got to stand in front of people. and Stand on the side is almost like a sign of weakness. Oh, Lord, touch them right here right now. You've got to directly face them straight on. This is where the faith realm works at. It's going to go straight into this place where you are right in front of somebody. That's how people get the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone get the Holy Ghost be praying behind them or on the side of them. Maybe it has for you, but everyone I've ever seen praying got the Holy Ghost because I was right in front of them, and I lay hands and says, God is going to fill you right now with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And so it's happened enough times that I will believe it will happen every time I pray for somebody, and I'll leave it in the hands of God if it doesn't, or they've got an issue still they're dealing with and haven't repented. So you've got to walk with faith. We've got to get people. Build up their faith. When you pray for people, God is going to heal you. I'm going to pray for you, and God is going to heal. Build up their faith before you pray for them. And pray. Does that sound hard to do? It does. But you can get there because I'm talking. You and I we used to be shy and scared of all this kind of stuff. You can get there. And we all can. We've got to. I've got to move on here. So Acts chapter 4, verse 31. The third place in Scripture. I've got 20 minutes. Um, Acts 4, 31. You could put that up there. Did I give you that one? Here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Yes. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. They were praying, everything, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and now they went forth and spoke the word of God with boldness, and things happened. Speaking with boldness went out there. Um, so again, when we talk to people, 
look for things to talk to them about. It's good to tell people the things God's done for you. People say, how you doing? I'm doing great. God has been good to me. When you bring up the name God, you bring up Jesus, you bring up things, it starts to open up them saying, oh, do you go to church or whatever it is like that? Bring things up. Bring up about the things God has done. I don't always think about it, but I, I, I wrote this down as I was typing. It's like, you know what? I need to start doing this more. When people ask how I'm doing, I say, okay. I need to start saying the Lord has been good to me because now I've got a door opened up. I've opened up a door by saying God has been good to me or something like that. Or they can say, oh, well, what do you mean? Now you've got a door. Make sense? Open up, find ways to open up doors. Um, you know, there's just, I met a guy at a park of, last year, and, and uh, I don't know what he was doing, but I, I came up to me or something, and I just started talking to him. And, uh, you know, there was opportunity. Somewhere I mentioned about God to him on purpose. And, of course, then they take the bait sometimes. And, like, so, you know, we start talking about God. You know, and I forgot what it was he had. And I prayed for him. I said, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And we talked about salvation a little bit. I don't know whatever happened to the guy. But, you know, I, I don't know. I just know I'm supposed to say, sow seed. And so are you. We're supposed to look for a door to open. Sow seed. You go to the restaurant after church, look for opportunity about how good God is. You know, you, you come out, especially if you've got a bunch of you guys at a restaurant, worship God there. I mean, you're not saying you're going to be, but you're just there excited and you talk to whoever's there. Like, God has been so good. Like, well, what kind of church do you guys go to? Easy conversation when people ask questions like that. Um, I love when people invite themselves to church and I never have to ask them. When they just, this happened at times, they like say, so, you know, a lady at church found out that I preached and I said, well, yeah, sometimes. And she goes, well, I'm showing up next time you do. I'm like, oh. They said, are you sure? It's because I don't want to be intimidated with people, you know. I'm like, but, I, you know, if that's what it takes to get someone to come here, um, I guess. But the point is, is just being out there, being open to reaching people. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. Here they were in one accord again. The Bible says this is our, our fourth one. I got, I'm, I'm getting behind here. And by hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Okay, they're all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So signs and wonders. From, from this side of the church to that side of the church, God wants to do signs and wonders through us. I, I can't say enough, and i got to tell myself this, and i got to tell you it, and i got to tell myself it again tomorrow and every day, that God wants to heal people through me. God wants to heal people through you. God wants you to do wonders and signs because the miraculous, so much read about in the Bible, it's the miraculous that seems to draw a lot of people. Teaching is part of it, and we'll get to there in a second, but so many things were healing, 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 miraculous things. Find people to pray for them, and the rest, there's no man join himself to them, but the people magnify them. Verse 14, 15, 16, the believers were more added to the Lord, added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. People came in to the church, and 15, in so much that they brought the sick in the streets, laid them in the beds and couches, and at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And verse 16, that's an awesome thing. Then came also a multitude, a multitude out of the cities, round about in Jerusalem, bringing sick folks unto them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. I think it's a great thing, the times, and we should do it whenever we feel led of the Lord, praying for sick when they're in church. We've done it before on a Sunday. Come up here and let's pray. Why? Because somebody could be healed right then. When God's moving, anything can happen. But out in your job and out where you go, God still wants to move through you. So here the miraculous will happen. We've got to know that God wants us to do the miraculous. Uh, I heard about a missionary who went to um, Spain. And uh, I'll use other people's stories because I don't have great ones. But I heard a missionary went to Spain. And um, he, I believe it was Spain, somewhere there. And uh, Brother Herod, I think was his name, Herod. And uh, he told a group of atheists, unbelievers, he was in a group of them. He says, well, you know, he could have debated them, I guess. He said, God's real. And he goes, whatever ailments you got right now, God's going to heal you of those. And if he doesn't, I'm a liar and God's not real. How would you feel bold enough? Anyone feel bold enough to try that one yet? <laughs> he did. Then he said in the back of his mind, uh-oh, <laughs> I hope this happens. Because I just told them that I'm lying about God being real if they're not healed when I'm done praying with them. 
thank God the Lord showed up and healed every disease and sickness that they had right then and there and showed himself that he was real. I want to tell you, God wants to show you and show other people that he's real through you. It can happen. You find a need somewhere. I remember being in a park one day with some other uh, man, and this lady came up and was talking about her sickness and stuff, and we just said, let's just pray. Let's pray right now. There's a lot of people, if they're hungry for it, don't care that people are looking on and everything. You just pray for them and say, God, touch them right now. And what have we got to lose? I guess our pride, right? Is that all we got to lose, our pride, right? If it doesn't work out and if everybody has to look at us praying for somebody, just our pride. Man, imagine how great we'd be if we didn't have any pride. Come on, someone say amen. I'm talking myself, right? If I had absolutely no pride, I, I think I would probably just walk up to anybody and say, do you know about Jesus? Can I tell you about him? I'll pray for you right now. God will heal you. If I had no pride in me, I don't even know what things I would do. It's the pride that's there. I'm in human flesh. I sense it there. I sense where are they thinking right now. I remember praying in a nursing home for a guy one time. I don't know if he was getting healed or he could. I have no idea. He was in a wheelchair, and I said, well, we're going to stand up right now. <laughs> I was only in church a few years, and I was like, all right. So he stood up out of his walker chair, and I'm like, I don't know, is he being healed right now? And then all these nurses are out in the foyer looking, and I'm like, oh, my word, I'm intimidated right now. So my faith went down the tubes, and the guy said, I got to sit down. He sat down because I was so intimidated by everybody watching. I have no idea if he was able to stand or he just was feeling God and was standing because I just said, God's going to heal you right now. But who knows? You know, our pride can probably destroy a lot of things. Man, there's probably a whole lesson that we need to get on this next week or some other week. <laughs> Nobody would show up because nobody wants to lose their pride. <laughs> we really got to lose our pride. Okay, I just preached a message to myself so I can go home now, but let me finish up with the rest of you guys because I'm, I'm really wondering how much I could do if I didn't have pride. Okay, now you guys know what to pray for me for now at least, right? I don't think any of you have that much as I do, so pray for me and say, Lord, help him have no pride so he's out there and he just doesn't care anymore. He just tells people. He prays for them and believes it. I wrote this down. Um, the greater, I don't even know if this is the right word. I try to be big words sometimes. They come to my mind. I don't even know what they mean. I, I do, but I don't, I, you know, I, I, like I don't use these. But the greater the propensity for rejections, the greater the likelihood for rejections, let's just say that, the greater you're going to experience the miraculous. If it's likely to be rejected, like, oh, my word, if I'm praying for them and it doesn't happen, I'm going to be rejected. That puts us in all the more places of miraculous to happen. If it's like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of sick, can you pray for me? Yeah, let's pray for you right now, and you walk away. There's not much faith here. There's not much miraculous to happen. But when it's on the end of the rope, and they're like, look, I'm dealing with this right now. I need a God to heal me today. And you're like, God's going to heal you today. The greater that type of a rejection that could be there, the more likely the miraculous is going to show up, I believe, because it's, it's there. You're, you're sticking God on the line right there saying, we're going to believe right now for this great thing. And you're praying for that. I want to be that person that's bold enough to stand in front of people and believe God for that. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, number 5. We've got 11 minutes left. But you're keeping track of time. I'll keep track of it for you. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Look at that. You guys read that? Not yet. There we go. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not. Now let's talk about something about teaching. They started teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. I was at a youth rally last Friday, and I, I thought, duh, why don't I do this? The guy said something about telling people about Jesus. You know, when I talk to people a lot of times, I just talk about God. I need to start saying Jesus because there's all power in the name Jesus. Just kind of something simple to dawn on me. Talk about Jesus Christ. So they were teaching, and they were preaching about Jesus Christ. What does that mean for me today? Well, let's just start with some things. In the public, besides church, there's some, I'm sure there's opportunities we have to speak. You go to a nursing home and speak about God's word there. We've done that before. Uh, God can touch people in a nursing home. We've seen elderly ladies get baptized out of a nursing home uh, because they heard the gospel and they responded. It's happened. Um, the jail, the, in years past, people have been in the jail preaching. I'm not so sure about the type that people used to preach out on the street corners. I don't know. That's back before my time. I don't know how that works. I've never done it. I suppose someday maybe it will happen and we'll be bold enough and we'll be out there preaching wherever and at any time. Um, block parties have had success preaching to people. If you read out, there's something about North Carolina. They've had a lot of crusades, block parties, and have, have started a lot of churches through doing that. 
preaching in towns and having a big block party. People coming, they were getting the Holy Ghost preaching. Uh, just being in places with people, going to coffee shops, being in places where people are, you're meeting people, uh, being out serving the community. We've done that. Uh, we might do it this year in a parade if we have one. I'm not sure if we're doing that, but we thought of reaching out, reaching people, being out there in the community. But what's that look like in the private when it's not in a group of people? How can I get out there? Sometimes the best way of teaching is simply like a one-on-one home Bible study, teaching someone God's word one-on-one, a personal evangelism. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at school. Maybe you go to their house. Maybe they come to your house. Maybe you hang out one week. The next week you teach them something like that. You're, you're kind of pouring God's word in there, and you're making it there. Bible studies work. I know they work. They do. I had a lady that just texted my wife a few days ago and said she wants a Bible study. She's never been in this church. My wife met her five years ago at Meyer. So we'll see what happens and comes out of this. She wants a Bible study. They just happen to meet again. You never know with people because once you can get them in for a Bible study, you got God's word. You got power with you because you got his word there to help. So um, another way we've done it before is life groups. Uh, life groups are reaching people sometimes. We had people come to our house. We had a life group. Uh, I think you know, the youth had young people come. Um, that's kind of like a teaching, hanging out moment. Depends how it is. We had a few people come to our life group that didn't come to church or hadn't been to church in a long time. Uh, just to pray. So great things happen there. Let's go to number Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 5, number 6. Sixth thing here. Amen. Does everyone say teaching? Oh. Everyone say teaching. There we go. A little better. I woke you up a little bit. Okay. You kind of got to block me off after we talk about the miracles. Like, I don't think I can do this. Yes, you can. You can do the miracles. God can work for you. You can heal people. And it, you know what? If it doesn't work, well, you do it again. I mean, you do it again. Just keep going because God's going to be there with you. It's going to happen at some point. It's quite a few people. I'd pray to get the Holy Ghost before somebody finally did. And after that first person got the Holy Ghost, I thought, I can do this again, I think. Not that neat, but, like, I can trust God to do this. And then it could happen again. It just took a while. It took a while to happen. Um, you know, I, I believe for healing, I'm not as strongly there. Um, I prayed for a lady at a conference one time. I said, we're going to believe God to heal you. Yeah, and I had to follow what the man was saying, and I said, are you, are, are you feel healed? <laughs> That's kind of a hard thing to ask somebody after you pray for them. You know, are you feel healed? Do you feel like you're okay? Because I said, you're going to be healed. And she said, I feel okay. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It worked. You know, but if it didn't, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do the next person until the day the Lord shows up and heals them. This is like riding a bicycle or anything else. It just takes some training. It doesn't mean it's going to happen the first time you teach a Bible study or pray for someone. It's just going to happen. It may take some time. You're training. You're letting God train you. You're developing and getting faith built up in you until that faith. It's a kind of a weird thing how this faith thing operates, how we can get our faith elevated to a place that we can start seeing people get the Holy Ghost now, but we couldn't before. And then we can start seeing people healed and we couldn't before. And before you know it, I'm not there yet, but you'll start praying for people to come back from the dead and all kinds of really miraculous healing. You'll just have faith that's going to happen every time, and it will because your faith has got to that place. Mine's not there yet, but there's no reason why it can't eventually get there or in you. It can get through all of us. We've got to let it and say, God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you to use me. I'm, I'm, I move on. So Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word again, preaching the word of God. Uh, and verse 5, Philip went down the city of Samaria. He preached Christ on them. So he's going out. He's preaching Jesus Christ, telling people about God. Um, wherever you go, you go on vacation, you go somewhere, you might run into somebody. You head off somewhere, meet people, talk about God. Talk about God. These things are not hard. Um, when I first got in church, I was very, well, yeah, I just got baptized like the week before. And I happened to be in, in a, uh, some, some convention thing in Washington, D.C., and um, I remember seeing a homeless guy, and eventually talking about God. I really didn't know how to talk about God too much. I saw this guy. I wasn't used to seeing homeless people. And I was there, and he was out on the sidewalk somewhere outside of this hotel area. I forgot. And I walked by him thinking I could just keep passing him. I wasn't going to ignore him. And he says, can I have money? And I, I just, no, you know, don't have, I don't want to bother with you. I didn't say anything, but I just like, no, thank you. And kind of moved on my way, passed by the homeless man. Then I realized there was a dead end. I had to go right back by him to get back to the hotel. I'm like, oh, man. So I got to walk by this guy. And I'm like, what do I do, God? You know, like, he's going to beg me for money again and all this stuff. And 
this is where there's opportunities. And I can't tell you what happened to the guy's name. The guy's last name was Reeves. I remember if the guy's name was Reeves. It was either Steve or Greg. Uh, it was a black guy. He was homeless. And so I had to come right by him again. And I think I was 21 years old this time in my life. And I said, well, I said, he said, I, I, do, I, I don't have any money for you, but I said, I know someone that's got money for you. And so he followed me back into the hotel or back in this eating area. And so I said, but I want to sit down and talk with you first. And I just simply did one of my first one-on-one -on -one Bible studies with him just out of what I knew of God's word and talking about Jesus. And after I got done talking about Jesus, I gave him some money I had. I, I said, it's God's money. It's not mine. I said, so I gave him an amount of money. And I told out of some of that, I want you to buy a Bible, all this stuff. I said all that because you never know when you have encounters with people. That man stood up. And this is where my, my embarrassment was taking over because I had this big guy that wasn't clean, was moved to tears and was hugging me in the midst of hundreds of people all around me because of the time we shared about God. And I don't know if he was touched by it or was touched by the giving or whatever it was. And I had, a, I had to say, okay, God, you never know where people are at, what can happen with people. You don't know. I don't know. That was a seed that was sown that I have no clue if I'll ever know until someday beyond I'll never know if that man ever took me up on that. But we shared the gospel. And so it doesn't matter where you go. God's going to find people in your life if you're looking. So if you can get anything out of tonight, we're almost done, is simply to look. Simply to look. Just like Peter did. He looked with his eyes gazing out there. And the last thing in Scripture, Acts 8, 26 through 30. Um, the angel Lord spake to Philip again, saying, Arise, go to the south, and the way that goes from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. He said, Once you go to this area, and uh, I think it's awesome how God just spoke like that, and I pray that he does that to all of us. And he arose and he went, and behold, there's a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. And um, let's go to the next verse. And so Philip comes up to him, he's returning, sitting in his chair, reading Isaiah the prophet. A lot of you know the scripture here. And then Philip says, uh, The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to the guy's chariot. And then he goes on and preaches to him about Jesus Christ. The guy gets baptized. You've got to be open for opportunities. You've got to be open wherever you're at. Uh, I think I mentioned this maybe a few months ago, but I'll mention one more because I try to put a little bit of stories in with all these to know that it can be done. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a lot. I've seen things happen to let you know it can happen. Uh, last year we were on vacation in Wisconsin. I remember I felt something about this guy when we walked by him in a hotel. And I said, something's different there, and I didn't know what. And I went by, and I started talking a little bit, because the way he said something to me. And then we started talking about church, and I asked him what were some good churches to go to, blah, blah, stuff. And he's starting to tell me, and he goes, I think he asked me something like, are you like a Pentecostal person or something like that? And um, then he went on saying, well, we used to go to United Pentecostal Church years ago, but we haven't in years. And uh, so I began talking to him about it. And this is the thing that I think God orders our steps. Because that man said after we got done, I showed him there's a church nearby you, blah, blah, stuff. And he said, you know what? He said, I think God sent you here. And I said, I think he did. Because those divine moments, I think, come from God. If we're open saying, God, use me. Use me. I don't know where. I don't know when. But use me. God will use us. Is it going to be risk-taking? Yes. So in, in conclusion here, be open, be available, look for opportunities, be willing to give your time, hang out with people, love people, pray for them, be bold, don't be fearful of rejection, pray for a burden because it's an exciting life. It is an exciting life to have. If your book, if your life was a chapter in the book of Acts, I guess the question I was asking myself is would I fall asleep reading it? If my whole life of serving God was a chapter in the book of Acts, would I fall asleep reading that chapter? I would it be something exciting enough in there that people could read and go, wow, I can, that can happen for me. I hope, I believe so. I believe so. Let's stand. Let's, we're going to pray in dismissal. I hope I uh, said a few things to help somebody. I, I hope to encourage someone who's like me, who is intimidated to talk to people, is shy. Everyone say Burden. Okay, so get that in your mind. God, i got to pray like Pastor started off with a burden, a holy burden. God, give me the burden. Burden my heart. Burden my heart for the lost. That will drive you to reach people. They're lost. They're going to hell. God, burden me. And then I guess the second thing I could really say is look for opportunities. Look for things to happen. Look for them. 
and believe God to use you in the miraculous. Don't be fearful. He's going to use you. I want to read this poem to you, and we're going to pray dismissal. And then I hope to see some of you here on Sunday and are at the park on Sunday. Believe in God for miraculous things to happen even in a park setting. The poem is this, and I've read this several times here because I like this poem. It used to hang by my college dorm uh, when I got in church and something. But it says uh, something about risking because it's going to be a risk to go out there and pray for somebody and say, I believe God's going to touch you right now. I believe God can feel the Holy Ghost right now as we're praying for them, as you're praying for them. The poem says, to laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out to others is to risk involvement. To expose your feelings is to risk exposing your true self. To place your ideas and dreams before a crowd is to risk their loss. To love is to risk, risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. But risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing does nothing, has nothing, is nothing. Again, the person that just won't risk anything because I don't know, you'll never have anything, you'll never do anything, you'll never be anything. If you don't take that risk to say, God's with me, I'm going to talk to that person, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to believe whatever, I'm going to do it. So this man may avoid sorrow, or excuse me, the person who risks, yeah, he may avoid sorrow and suffering, but he cannot learn, feel, change, go, or live. Chained by his servitudes, he is a slave who has forfeited all freedom. Only a person who risks is free. Only a person that takes a risk is free. And then it goes on, I think this is added to it, but the pessimist complains about the whim. The optimist expects it to change. The realist just adjusts the sales and says, so let's go do something. So set some goals in your mind of what you can do for God. Set some goals. You know what? This summer I want to have prayed for some people, or I want to have reached this neighborhood, or I want to have reached my neighbors, or I want to have talked to so many people. So set some goals. If you don't set goals, you're going to fail. Set some goals, but then you've got to do the part about working at those goals. You've got to really make an action plan. You've got to have an, I've heard this, you've got to have an action plan. When you set a goal, you've got to have an action plan. You can't just say, well, we're going to double the church in a year. Well, what's your action plan? I don't know. But you've got to have something. If you say, I'm going to grow my youth department by twice, or I'm going to grow my Sunday school class by whatever, I'm going to win five people or this year, then you've got to have an action plan. Are you going out this weekend to do anything to affect that? Are you doing anything the next weekend? Are you just hoping? But create, does that make sense? Have goals. Set some goals. I want to see this happen this year, and here's my action plan. I've already got an action plan I developed a few weeks ago, and here I was like, okay, I'm doing this and this to get this to happen. If I don't, it won't happen. I know it won't happen. If I don't set something there, I've got to set it and see that I'm doing it, and it's an action plan. That's enough. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. I pray we receive your word today, God, and challenge us, encourage us, God, to go forth, to leave this place, God, with great faith, great faith, God. We're going to look for opportunities. But, God, I pray, develop the burden in us and let us have faith that you're going to use us, God. We are your children, God. You have blessed us and touched us today, God. We're going to receive great things, and we're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to see people healed right then and there, wherever we're at, the park, outside, somewhere, God. We're going to pray. We're going to believe with faith. The miraculous is going to happen. We're going to teach Bible studies. We're going to take a risk, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, today. Someone say amen. Clap your hands to the Lord.